Hey moms, welcome to this week's podcast on cultivating your family's holiday culture. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one for 30 years, mom to eight, ages 15 to 28, and a nana to six. Well, this Christmas season is a wonderful time of the year, but the demands can often feel overwhelming. And I mean, who doesn't want to give their family a great Christmas with warm, wonderful memories? The problem is really that there are about a million things we could do, but what is actually going to be the most meaningful and lasting for our particular family? So over our many years as a family, we tried a lot of different activities that we thought might be good. Some stuck, some didn't. At certain points, we had to decide what we would keep doing and what we wouldn't and why. So that's the other thing. We want to be intentional with our families, making sure that the important things stay the important things. So today we're going to be talking about how to cultivate your family's holiday culture. And when I say we, it's because my friend Heather is back to share with us. She has been on the podcast before sharing on effective tools to make learning fun. And so if you didn't listen to that one, you will love it. I got great responses from moms on it who were so encouraged by it. So I'll include that link in the podcast notes. But Heather is the homeschooling mother of three nights in training, a spunky little princess, as well as a new baby due in 2020. She wants to be intentional during these years of parenting and raise children who will make a difference in this world. We can all relate to that, right? Recognizing the brevity of childhood and the power of a parent's influence, Heather both inspires and equips families toward intentional parenting, pursuing God, and delighting in the adventure of learning. She's the author of the book, Nights in Training, 10 Principles for Raising Honorable, Courageous, and Compassionate Boys, The Ultimate Guide to Brain Breaks, and as well as Go Global, which is a literature-heavy, movement-rich learning adventure. She writes at heatherhop.com and cultivatedlearning.org. Now, Heather, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad to be back. Anytime I get to sit down and chat with you is a win in my book. I feel the same way. After our last conversation, the podcast we recorded on effective tools to make learning fun, I was so excited. I had books I wanted to read and things I wanted to research. (laughs) Just because I felt like your heart was just so, our hearts sort of beat the same when it comes to children and their their childhood. I love what um, what your biography says here about the brevity of childhood and the power of a, a parent's influence. And I just think we have, you know, like you said here, we just have this opportunity and we want to make the most of it. And, you know, one of the times of year that I think really stands out when it comes to that is is Christmas time. And, you know, we all, we see the Hallmark movies, we see the the commercials and it gives us warm fuzzies, but we really, I mean, the reality is we want to be intentional with our kids about what this season really means for our particular family. So, just to get started, why do you think it's important to cultivate culture? Well, it's important to cultivate culture because culture happens. Like we are influenced and shaped by our experiences, by who we interact with, by the stories that we listen to or watch or live out. And so we have an opportunity as parents to be that influencer and to be that guide in shaping where the trajectory of where our family is going. 
Mm. And, and culture is so powerful and there's so many influences bombarding us. Um, I would say even more now than 10 years ago. I agree. Um, just with the rise in social media, like you get a peek into every single person's life. Of course, they showcase every little thing, not every little thing. They showcase all of the amazing things they're doing. And so it can quickly get overwhelming and you can sort of lose sight of, well, who am I? And right. what is our family about with right. all of the distraction of everything else? Right, right. It's kind of like, you know, having all, it's like having all these different radio stations playing while you're trying to listen to somebody talk, who's just talking at a normal tone, or even as, you know, God says, his his voice is often a still small voice. And how do right. you hear that in the midst of all that noise? And our, our kids are exposed to that at such early ages, too. And I think um, if I were ever going to encourage um, a a parent or a, a mom with small children, I would say just protect them from that noise as much as possible. Yes. And, you know, it, it's just that's part of the influence uh, of, of their lives. Like you were mentioning before, it's, I heard somebody describe it, uh, our kids' lives and there is particularly their childhoods as like a, um, like a journal that has nothing written in it. And every influence that we allow into their lives, we are allowing that influence, whether it's a person or whatever, or circumstances, to write in the, you know, in the journal of our kids' hearts, to write part of their story. And when you think about it that way, all of a sudden it's just so clear, this responsibility that we have to, to, to be uh, intentional, like, you, you, yes. like you're saying. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to think of it, that our role as parents, we're the gatekeepers. Mm, (laughs) We're the gatekeepers to access to our children. Mm -hmm. And so we get to decide yes or no. And and sometimes it's a not right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so, and that's where we just have to constantly be praying. And yeah, tuning out the world, all of those distractions going, okay, Lord, what do you have for us right now in this season and slowing down our lives enough so that we can hear his voice and then, yeah, determine what influences uh, we're going to allow our children or what influences are we going to pursue? I mean, there have been seasons where I'm like, this is an influence I want in my child's life. Where do Mm -hmm. I find it? Mm, And I I pray and I'm on the lookout and and then it's really cool when you're praying about those things because then God brings them and you're like, oh, there it is. It's so exciting because you're tuned into it. You're kind of watching for it. Your awareness yeah. is up. And then you recognize that God has answered your prayer. And that's happened so many times in our kids' lives um, as we, while we we're raising them. We're, we're still, we're, we're still raising, but we're at the tail end. So, but in that thick of it, um, God, you know, he would do things like bring people into mentors, into our kids' lives that I just could, I couldn't have chosen a better mentor, you know, especially in those areas where I don't know a lot of stuff, you know, like when our son who wanted to get into computer coding, oh my goodness, that it was so out of my wheelhouse, you know, and all I could do is just say, Lord, I need your help. I need you to bring what this boy needs because I don't even know what he needs, you know, and but you do. And he brought just this wonderful older man along that just was so encouraging to him and actually is it actually the one who kind of helped him recognize that he had this gift um and and got him sort of going down that road so um 
I don't know if that was a sidetrack or not, but I feel like it's an important thing for moms to know and understand that, you know, you're not alone in this. You know, we were talking about Christmas specifically today, but, and God will give you wisdom concerning that, but he'll give you wisdom in all things, you know, the rest of the year too. (laughs) Well, and that's where we cultivate the culture of our home year round. It just changes. What I love about this season of Christmas is it's just, it's such a powerful it's a powerful time and we have a chance because even if you're involved with outside activities, those activities usually halt <laughs> for the holidays. <laughs> and so you have a chance to step back. Right. Um, or if they don't, like I just, I'm like, well, we're done. <laughs> I know I'm laughing because <laughs> I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> This is the first year I've outsourced and done some classes for some of my teens. And so that's where I'm like, wait, wait, they have a class on December 16th? No, that interferes with my, we don't do any school in December. Um, Oh, that's what happens when they get older, though. You know, you, you, you want those, those other things in those experiences in their life. And sometimes it's like, whoa, what, what happened here? I I wasn't, I wasn't sure I signed up for all of that, but Oh, goodness. Which is why you pray and you go, okay, in this season, (laughs) what are we supposed to do? Because I look back and God's been so faithful through every season. And I was really able to shut out outside distractions when my kids were younger, which was just Mm -hmm. magical. Wasn't Um, it? To just be home and we would bake. I like baking. Um, I don't do glitter. So that would like send me over the edge. And sister, I'm with you on that one. (laughs) But I have friends who are like, oh, the glitter all the time. And I just go, I love you. Can I send my kids to your house? Um, <laughs> so, and that's the beauty of culture is we get to be like, well, this is what our family does. <laughs> right, exactly. And you can be okay with that. I think that's really kind of what we're driving at is we're wanting you uh, as a family to pull together and and obviously as moms to slow down and listen to the Lord's voice. This is, you know, one of the things I say over and over and over again when it comes to unhurried homeschooling. It applies here too because, you know, we know that homeschooling is just that. It's not school at home. It's, it's uh, uh, school revolves around home life, not home life around school. And so it's a lifestyle that we're walking out together. And in that lifestyle, our family culture, hopefully, intentionally with uh, and prayerfully uh, emerges. It, it kind of takes time. I think if, if you're, we're talking to the mom out there with really, really little kids only, um, don't expect yourself to know exactly what your family culture is right now, but be open to listening and watching, um, listening for the Lord's voice and kind of watching how your family rolls, you know. And I I know, Heather, you were talking about social media and how distracting it can be. I was reading the statistics that people tend, they they post about uh, less than, I want to say, three or four percent of their life is on social media. And I'm thinking... Okay, so you're just seeing the best of the best of the best. You're not seeing the yuck and the mess and the chaos and the struggles and all of that. So just that's just a a, a little reminder. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and related to that, I used to, um, this was before social media, and I blogged a lot when my kids were younger. And I wanted to show other families what it could look like to embrace a lifestyle of learning. And Exactly. And so I blogged a lot of our life. Now, again... <laughs> <laughs> not not everything 
And I remember a friend of mine speaking to a homeschool group back in Arizona, and I, I would speak there a lot. And so I knew a lot of people. And this one lady just broke down crying, going, I just, I can't be Heather Hopped. Mm. And I just can't keep it all together. And my friend was able to look her in the eye and go, I've been in Heather's home. Oh, my gosh. She does not have it all together. <laughs> and uh, she's like, I hope you didn't mind me saying that. I'm like, you can tell them I totally own. I'm a poor housekeeper. Um, mm. And we all have our strengths. And that just isn't right. one of mine. Um, and, and but that freed her because all she was seeing was the pictures that I would take to convey the message I was writing about. But they didn't see the dishes in my kitchen sink because I chose to sit on the couch and read books to my kids instead of doing the dishes that morning. Um, yeah, so you just you just see a glimpse. You do. You see a glimpse, and I think it's one thing that the Lord showed me years ago was he he's he kind of just likened our family to a, a, a backyard and that my job was just to take care of my own backyard. It wasn't to look over the fence into the neighbor's backyards and try to fix their backyards, nor to let them come over and try to fix mine. I was to just focus on tending my own backyard or tending my own little garden and that God would bless that. And, and you're right. It, it was such a beautiful time when I, when I, decided when I knew that that's what I needed to do. I moved forward with it. I really didn't look back. And I am so, so grateful for that. That was a blessing from God. So to, to the moms out there, I just want to say, it's okay for you to just sort of hone in on your own family. And that's kind of what we're talking about today, just to just to really um, embrace who your family is. You know, it's one thing to say, um, you know, to, to say it, to say, oh, yeah, that's that's who we are or whatever. Yeah, that's what we do. And we can still be feeling this discontent. We can still be feeling this these comparisons. And I think just God has so much better for us than that. And if we can, just ask him for strength to just hone in on your own family and enjoy. Just enjoy the, the, yes. the silly differences that, that your family, the uniquenesses of your own family, you know. Because they are, and down the road, I'm telling you, because you, I know for this has been held true for me, is that because I enjoyed those things back in the day, as they were happening and unfolding, and I was recognizing them and verbalizing them and laughing about them, our kids as adults now look back and do the same thing. I was modeling for them that it was okay for our family to be unique like this, to be different, to be who we were. And it didn't matter what everybody else was doing. It just mattered that we were doing what God had called us to do and who and being who he created us to be. Yeah. And that's one of the powerful things about culture is you pass it on. Exactly. Um, and so I, in fact, when you were saying that, I'm like, yes, 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 because I feel like my parents did that. Mm-hmm. And they just made a conscious decision to slow life down, mm-hmm. to focus on relationships, to focus on why. Why are we doing things? Let's not mm-hmm. just add things to our schedule just because other people are doing it or it seems like a good idea. There's just way too many good ideas out there. And oh. now thanks to social media and the Internet, we know about all of the good ideas. <laughs> I have enough of my own that I can't do, you know? So, yeah, I get, 
You pick and choose, but you slow down so that you do them well, so that you savor them, so that it's meaningful. And like you said, like you had mentioned earlier, that you tried some things and you're like, yeah, that doesn't work. And and, and so, and in fact, we're sort of, our family is in a place if we're trying some new things because we moved to Texas five years ago and we've spent the last four Christmases traveling to see my husband's family or mine and we got to the point last year where we're like we don't have our own Christmas anymore Mm -hmm. because we're constantly it's all about me as the mom prepping to travel right and and being in someone else's home and even though it's family and we love our families I just I I think the clock is ticking my oldest is 15 and I'm going "I, I don't have that many more Christmases left and I want them to have memories of our home Mm-hmm. And I want mm-hmm. them to come home and see me, not, oh, I went and saw grandma. <laughs> right. That's right. And, you know, you're right at that point where you can still do that. Yes. But there's not a lot of time left. <laughs> so we're staying home this year. And we're like, okay, well, gosh, Texas Christmas. What, How what do we is do that going to look like for us? And we have our traditions that we have in our own home on Christmas morning that we're going <laughs> to reestablish. Um, but... But yeah, figuring out, well, what does it look like here? And and yeah, there's just too many things. And so going, well, what fits our family budget? Um, we're very low budget. Mm-hmm. And then focusing on the relationships. What draws us together and what points our eyes to Christ? Mm-hmm. I love and that. I love that. Yes, we did. A, I did a podcast last week with Anna Willis and we talked about um, just simplifying the holidays because they can get so mm-hmm. complicated. And, and the, the question that ended up emerging from that conversation was essentially in, in all that we're doing and in all that we're um, thinking we need to do or are doing through throughout the holidays, the question uh, just needs to be asked, where is Jesus in this? Yeah, because it's it's about Him, and so when I'm going to do this thing, where is He in this particular activity or in this particular thing that we're doing? And I just thought it was such a beautiful question to just continually mm-hmm. ask yourself throughout the holidays to help sort of weed through some of the things that maybe are worth not doing anymore, and yeah. and to recognize the things that really are worth doing. You know, I, as a mom who's you know. We've, my husband and I have been married 30 years and we've, you know, had kids for 29, 28 of those. I can't, I can't, um, clearly math is not my thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm thinking, okay, she was, she wasn't one yet on her first birthday. Anyway, all that aside. And then I'm, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking someone's going to think that I, you know, had a baby. I was pregnant before I got <laughs> all these things are going through my mind. <laughs> okay, so back to this topic. Um, so we've been a lot of years. We've been doing this a lot of years with kids and trying to establish um, traditions and things like that. And so now we're like this many years into it. And it's just, it's overwhelming. It's been overwhelming the last few years as we've adjusted into now grandkids and son-in-laws mm-hmm. and a daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. And I'm still... I, I, I've, I'm still just getting a grip on what this is supposed to look like. All that to say, that question has been permeating my mind as I've been walking out the different things that we typically do and, and or are plan on doing. And I'm, I'm asking myself, where is Jesus in this? Is this something worth doing? And it's really helping me to, you know, clarify a little better. What do we want to keep doing and what do we not want to keep doing? So I guess I'm saying all this to say, 
you know, you'll you'll get it figured out for a while and then a season will change and yes. you'll enter another season like you are and you have to rethink things. But that question, where is Jesus, is such a good one to be asking throughout that right. process. Because it's big picture and then it allows you to personalize it to whatever season you're in, whatever capacity. I mean, there there have been years where I have had, we've had illness in the family or severe financial difficulty and it just it changes it changes what we do and yet if you have that big picture in mind it really doesn't right the essence is still there that is so key I just I hope the moms heard all of that that because that right there I think that right there is the key to it is 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 understanding the big picture goal and knowing um sort of the heart behind what you're wanting to do at Christmas time. And then you don't lose that if you can't do all the things that year for yeah. whatever reason. So well, I'm, I'm always struck with Christmas that this was like, I look historically, we studied the history of the Hebrews last year, um, which was fun. We just got to read copious amounts of the Bible and then delve into just more of the history behind it. But just that season of waiting and that period of silence. (laughs) And people going, when is the rescuer going to come? When is the Savior coming? And so I just, I keep that in my mind that this should be a season of entering into the waiting. And we can't enter into that idea of anticipation and waiting if we're frenetically busy. That's absolutely right. And you turn around, Christmas is over and it's right. gone. And you and you realize you kind of missed it. Yeah, I've had that feeling before when it was all said and done. I, I, I know we did Christmas, but I feel like <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> because it is, it's about the waiting. And I find that really interesting. Just on a personal note, um, the Lord is working very deeply in my heart in a few areas. And... And that is the overarching um, directive that he's given me is I just want you to wait right now. Mm. I'm not going to give you any answers. I'm not going to give you a clear picture. I just want you to wait. And so it ties right in with this waiting time as we're waiting for the Savior. And I just find it so fascinating that after all that waiting and that silence um, that he came just completely flying under the radar like it just it so amazes me everybody expected this grand entrance and here he he comes born to a poor family away from home in a stable yeah it's it's amazing to me yeah so that waiting i just i love that that sort of that stance you're taking that stance of waiting yeah so we just, we, we light a lot of candles at Christmas and we just embrace silence more. I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, what are big picture things that have continued? Cause there were things I did when my kids were little, um, that they don't, they don't play with our pretend nativity set anymore. And right, right. Um, well, I can, I, I, I'm going to share a family tradition of ours that uh, granted some years we succeeded more than others but here, here's the general idea that's and we've real been, life <laughs> yes because we, we've been pulling it off most of uh, most of the time this year and that is after dinner we go into the living room and all the lights are off except for the Christmas lights mm. um, maybe a candle 
and we play some instrumental Christmas music, and we stare at the tree, and we just ponder, um, you know, ponder the Lord, ponder Jesus coming, ponder Christmas, ponder Christmas's past, you know, just there's no directive for exactly what you need to be thinking about, but just, but just quiet. And I can tell you, when they were younger, it was like pulling teeth. Because I said, I need you to be quiet for 10 minutes. You know, we're going to do this for 10 minutes. And I think we worked up to maybe 20. But with five wow. boys, you know how it is. I finally oh, yeah. like, hey, do you need something in your hand to squeeze or do something? Because you can't seem to <laughs> keep it down. But but bottom line was we were, we were, we were kind of taking that stance, that stance of waiting and just sort of yes. pondering. And the funny thing is they would howl about it you know, off and on like kids do. And now they're, that's one of their fondest memories. And the mm. other night we did it and our son happened to be here for dinner and unexpectedly. And so we moved into the living room and I turned everything on and, you know, turn everything off and put on the Christmas lights and put on some Christmas music and that I thought was beautiful. And he sat down and he was all ready to take it all in. And, and he looks at me and he says, like, this is the wrong music. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, this isn't the music we listen to. You have to change it. <laughs> so I had to I change it. it to Kenny G because that's, you know, that's that's 90s and early 2000s. That's what we listen to every year. So, um, so that's sort of tradition. Anyway, it was just funny because the thing that I fought him on as a little boy, he is laying there just completely soaking it in as an adult. So. All that to say, it, it is, it's that, it's that stance of, of, of waiting and being unhurried and just sort of taking in the moment, you know, because yeah. even if you have a busy day, or I would have a busy day, you know, wrapping presents or doing whatever, that time in the evening sort of gave me a chance to sort of regroup and remember, you know, I love yeah. that. Did, did you think of any other traditions that well, but when my you, kids when my kids were little, um, we did something sort of similar, except for I would do it during the witching hour, <laughs> and so it would be dark. Right. But um, I had three boys in three and a half years, so life was crazy for a good long while, um, and but and so I couldn't light candles and leave them unattended because we would burn our house down. Right. Right. But at Christmas, I, I have this Christmas Advent wreath countdown. And so I would light the candles there and then I would pull out just paper and pencil. And I had a book on like little simple directions on how to draw the nativity and and they would be able to sit there and and color, draw with a pencil, but nothing else. It wasn't coloring sheets, it wasn't the crayons, things that they could fight over. Everybody had a piece of white paper and a pencil. Um, and they would just sit and sometimes stare at the flickering candle because uh, we lived in the Arizona desert and so you didn't have fires. It wasn't cold. So this was as much fire as I brought into my house <laughs> and it was a special treat. And then I would be sort of under low lighting. I would finish making dinner and Perfect. December was so peaceful. <laughs> it, it was so peaceful. And, and so I it. would just, I mean, it was, I would put on the Christmas music and I would sit and worship and my kids would color, um, which anybody that knows my boys know that they are not the sit still. Right. Like, <laughs> I hear you. They are very typical active boys. 
But there was something about that because it was special and different. Mm -hmm. And it just, they could sense that this was a holy season and a special season. Mm-hmm. And I just, our kids should experience that. They should, they should feel that. I remember feeling that as a kid when we would do our Christmas program back in the day, you know, we sang all the traditional Christmas Christian um, songs at our, at our Christmas program. Uh, program, you know, so we learned them all, and then on the night the lights would be low, and we'd all be in, you know, our beautiful clothes, whatever that was, and parents would be proudly mm. listening, and there was just a there was a feeling of of you know just sort of that this was so special, and yeah. I just remember, yeah, I remember those feelings, and I guess what I'm saying is I love the fact that I can go back to those even as a over fifty year old woman. I still remember what that mm. felt like. And, yeah. I, and then, so we're giving that gift to our kids forever. Right. And it didn't cost anything. You didn't. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. I think sometimes in our culture, it's like, oh, well, go pay this amount of money for this extravaganza. And you just, you don't need an extravaganza. That's not how Jesus entered into the world. That's right. It, it was right. quiet. It was unnoticed. It was... Um, and so, yeah, so even just stepping back, not that, I mean, we will occasionally do those things, but that's not what makes Christmas Christmas. Right, it's, right. It's those hidden moments in our home that no one else sees. Right. And it's those, and it's those hidden moments that our kids come back and they're going, no, that's the wrong music, mom. Right. <laughs> and you're like, what? You know, just, you don't even know it matters until, until it's missing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're like, exactly, exactly. I remember at one point, you know, with eight kids, they all had ideas about, or I, as a mom, I looked at them all and thought, oh, um, I need to make sure that all of, you know, some of their Christmas traditions, we make sure that that we do. And then I realized I didn't actually know for sure which ones were important. To each of those kids. And so I sat them down one year um, and I just said, give me two, two of your top, you know, most important, if you could only do two Christmas traditions, what would they be? And so they told me, and fortunately, a lot of them overlapped, so I didn't end up with 16 different traditions, but <laughs> but yeah. it was good to hear from them. And it was very interesting because I noted that it was more experiences then it was anything, it wasn't the gifts. It wasn't yeah. the gifts. It wasn't any of those things that one might think it was. It was about experiences and time spent and just certain things that resonated with them. And I think, um, you know, that that was a way that I stepped back and got um, kind of more of a big picture of what our family needed. Um, every year and and what direction to go. It just kind of helped give me some direction and it made them feel like important, you know, that they had, um, they participated in the traditions that we were going to continue to do, that they had a say in that and they contributed to that. And I think that was, that was important too. Yeah. But I love what you say about, you know, uh, thinking about the big picture goals. Uh, So you're looking forward and then dialing back. Can you tell me a little bit more what you mean by that? Yeah. So um, I'm a big picture thinking person. But when I think through what I want for my family, and I started doing this when my kids were little, 
um, is just looking forward and going, okay, when they grow up and move out into the world, what, what do I want them to take with them? What mm-hmm. do I want them to think matters? What, um, what does matter? And so it, it prompted me to go, okay, and, and stop stressing about things that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the long range, long term, does this matter? No. Then why are you fretting about it? Mm-hmm. If it's causing that much strain, then you need to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and that really helped me to be purposeful and go, well, why am I doing this right now? And so I, I just, I think through, I'm like, okay, when they go out into the world, I want them to love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like that's my primary, right. primary goal as a parent. So that's going to affect everything I do. And if we're doing something that is hindering that or hurting that, then we need to reassess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I just think through like, what are my big picture goals? I want them to do that. I want my kids to love learning. Um, I knew I wanted to homeschool before I even had kids. In fact, um, funny thing is I actually told my husband if, and this was before we even started our relationship. I'm like, if we were to get married, (laughs) if we were to have kids, I want to homeschool. What do you think? And he's just looking at me like I had two heads Uh, (laughs) and he's like, I just want to date you. And I'm like, well, um, (laughs) this is something that's important and I need to know. (laughs) Right. You're talking to a big picture person here, clearly. (laughs) Um, and so, but when you think about that and you're like, okay, looking at your kids, what do I want them to take into adulthood? It, it changes and it, it changes the choices that you make. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, there are times where it causes me to loosen up on things like Heather, is this really that big of a deal? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and my husband has helped me see that because I'm also a very black and white person. So I tend to be like this. Yes, that absolutely not ever. (laughs) And then he's like, well, you know, that wasn't good for a five-year-old, but he's 15. Right? <laughs> and, oh, goodness. And we'll have those conversations and go, oh, it's not a wrong thing. It just was wrong for the five-year-old. Right. Um, and, and so just doing that to assess. But if you have these big picture goals, then you're able to step back. And so that's like, that's how I approach Christmas is I go, okay, I want my kids to just I want them to slow down mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally and just really dial into the Lord in this season. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a changing of seasons. And so we have an opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that, that colors the choices we make. Right, right. It also requires us as the parent to model and set yes. the example. If we are still going at breakneck speed, but we're telling them to slow down, they're going to watch what we do, not what we not listen to what we say. I mean, right. isn't that more is caught than taught, right? And yes, so we have to model it. Yeah. So I mean, I sort of look at it that it's really twofold. If we want our children to take this into adulthood, we need to let them know why, mm-hmm. why we're doing things the way way we're doing them, because um, oftentimes. And I've seen this in my adult friends, like they don't know why their parents made certain decisions. Mm-hmm. And so they, they'll just make assumptions like, oh, my parents did that out of fear. Right. Um, and maybe they did or maybe they didn't. I, I don't know their particular situations. Um, but I, I've seen that where I've had friends, we've had similar childhoods and they reject sort of the traditions and the culture of their parents because 
um, they felt like it was one way. And, and so it just, it prompted me to go, okay, it, not only do I want to create this culture and this atmosphere, but especially as our kids get older, I want them to know why. Mm-hmm. We're not mm-hmm. going to go out to every single event in December because we want this to be a season of entering into the waiting. We want mm-hmm. this to be a season of slowing our hearts down, slowing mm-hmm. our minds down. And so that's why we purposefully, selectively say yes to certain things and say mm-hmm. no to other good things. They're not bad. They're just not what is for our family right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. But letting them know why. And then, yes, like you said, modeling that. Right, right. And I love, I love that whole idea of why. I mean, because really, I mean, that's a, that is such a, a permeating question and should be a permeating question, just not at Christmas time, but all, all year long. I, I, we talk to you and I both talk to homeschooling families a lot. And one of the things we both tell, uh, tell them and encourage them to do if they haven't already is, is to write down your whys. Why are you homeschooling? Yes. Why, you know, or why, why are you, why did you decide to home educate? And, and, and write those down so that you can go back to them. So essentially, you're suggesting the same thing only when it comes to Christmas. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the traditions in this particular year and um, being, being ready to make adjustments for whatever season you're in. There are people who, um, I have a, my best friend lost her um, mother-in-law in the last couple of weeks. And so they're going to grieve through this holiday you know it it, and when a holiday comes quickly on the heels of a death that changes everything you know and and it changes the way you approach things and it changes how you walk through it and and that's okay but like you said before the essence of it stays the same even if you're doing things differently and so you're adjusting you're revisiting your why and you're adjusting to whatever season you're in. I love that. So can you share with us just some kind of, um, just kind of in a nutshell, more specific guiding principles that your family has found really, really helpful? Yeah. Well, um, when my kids were younger, as I told you earlier, I had the three boys in three and a half years. um, And I come from a family of all girls. And so it's just a different dynamic. And even though I was a tomboy growing up, I just, I was in an all-girl household. And so I thought I understood boys. And then I got married and I realized, oh, just because I like sports and hiking and the outdoors and gross bugs and stuff doesn't mean that he and I think alike. We're very, very, very different. Um, And then God gave me three boys who have such different personalities and yet they're all three so uniquely different from me Mm -hmm. um, that it really prompted me to just sort of go okay what are boys like and um, and so I've sought from when my kids were young to really understand and embrace how boys are wired and to work with that which is what I love about homeschooling is we can really personalize our approach to education um, and discard a lot of the things that are happening in the school system that are just not good for little boys. Right, right. Um, but yeah, when my kids, my oldest was six, seven, um, we, I read them a book about knights. And I was like, I'm going to talk to them about chivalry. And, <laughs> and so I started researching it. 
And I, I thought it was just opening doors for ladies, which I actually think treating women with respect is really good, mm-hmm. um, which is what I wanted to talk to my boys about. And when I started researching it, I realized there was this whole code of conduct, this way that a man lived. And it was, um, it was sort of established as a way to civilize the warrior class and give them guiding principles for living and those principles were so powerful that it ended up that the nobility looked at it and were like oh we're signing our sons up for that because that's the kind of training they need and so that's when I embarked on the idea of night training with my boys and I introduced them to the code of chivalry and as I looked at it I'm like these principles are timeless this Mm -hmm. is so so very important and oh my goodness if our culture would embrace this now Uh, we could turn the tide. (laughs) Um, Why? Because it's all hinged on loving God, Mm -hmm. which, and so you love Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every fiber in your being is devoted to God. And then from there, you live out the rest of the code. And so you're going to obey those that are in authority over you. You are going to stand against injustice and evil, defend and protect the weak, um, there is the element of treating women with respect, um, not seeking to offend people, being truthful, being generous, persevering. And I was just looking at that going, yes, 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 this is what I want for my sons. Mm. Um, and so we had our little chivalry challenge. And then what I found over the years is that we would revisit it, not from the standpoint necessarily of pulling out all the night stuff again, Um, But just going, oh, this, this is what we're called to live by. And and so I ended up writing my book, Nights in Training, on that topic and fleshing out what does it look like to build this culture in your home that points our sons um, to something higher, to aiming high in a world where boys are adrift, boys are struggling. Mm-hmm. How can we give them ideals to aim for and ignite their imagination and cause them to want to pursue something? And when they're respected and valued for the way they're wired, they rise to the occasion and become the people they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I love so, that. Yeah. And that's just it was really cool to look back and go, oh, we did that as an activity when my kids were young. And then it just sort of became a family habit. Not that I, we don't go to the Renaissance Festival. So we're not right. like that in the <laughs> night, which is funny because I've done interviews or I've seen like people talking. They're like, we're just not in tonight. That's not what we're going to live, eat and breathe. And I'm like, you're missing the point of the book. Um the point of the book is not to dress up like a knight every day, but it's right. to up to these ideals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when we lose our way, which we all do, to look right. back and go, oh, let's reassess. Um, which that's the benefit of big picture goals. Is when you have those in, in sight, then you're going to go, oh, wait, I veered off. Right. course correct. Right. We did that right. this year in our homeschooling because, and you're going to laugh because, you're so much more experienced than I am, but I had my first high schooler last year and I have two teenagers now and, and we just, we got into, I joined a co-op last year and then we moved again 
And so I, I couldn't. So I did half the curriculum. It's not something I would have picked, but I'm like, oh, well, I'm just going to finish this. It's easy. I can put it on the transcript. And I just realized it was sucking the joy out of everything, mm. which is antithetical to one of my core values, which right. is I want to raise kids who love learning. And this is killing it for every single right. one of them. <laughs> so <laughs> back to the guiding principles. Okay. <laughs> And, and I mean, I talk to people all the time about having a love for learning. And so we all lose our way. It happens Absolutely. to all of us. Absolutely. And that's why you need those big picture goals to look back and go, oh, I'm missing it here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. move back over. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you... Uh, and I think you shared with me um, just in some notes here about um, the some specific guiding principles that you you found with um, just uh, starting with restoring and prioritizing mealtime. You know, like these mm. are the things that matter. These are the things where these conversations happen. You know, I mean, yes. these are the places where my kids have said, you know, we, we've said, how's your day? Well, great, except for this particular topic I'm working in. I hate this, you know, really? Okay, let's talk about that. (laughs) Right, yeah. Well, when it comes to establishing a family culture, if you're not coming together as a family, it's not going to happen. And so, yeah, and family mealtimes, there is something powerful about breaking bread together. There really is. And when we break bread together as a family, free from distractions, so you don't bring your devices to the table, you just sit and enjoy each other. Um, And... And it's not going to be perfect every day. There, I mean, we have. No, I was going to say enjoy each other. Where everybody's giving each other the, the silent, evil Debate. eye. Yes, debates and kicking under the table. But all of that, all of those are opportunities. They're opportunities for growth. They are a time, a place where our family becomes more cohesive. And, yes. you know, we are we typically had dinner every single night together. And I realize some people for a season, sometimes they'll have a child in sports and they can't do it every single night. But make it a priority that it's something you always go back to or do, yeah. you know, at least a few nights a week. Um, because if you're not intentional, it is not going to happen. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, just what we've been saying all along, you have to, it doesn't have to be a fancy meal. It's more important that you eat it together um, right. than it is that it has to be this fabulous, you know, spread. It, it doesn't. It can be simple, very simple. Yeah. But it, the idea is coming together. I mean, there's a reason that when uh, Jesus, you know, he, he told us that he, when, when we remember him, that we actually break bread together, you know, through yeah. communion. Like, there's power in that because over the years and years and years and throughout all the different cultures over the thousands of years, eating together has been a a big part of the cultures and a big part of tradition and a a time when people come together. I mean, a lot of times when there was a, you know, there was a disagreement and, and they worked it out, then they would share a meal together. So, right. you know, I think that's, go- that's why God made it. So we had to eat three times a day, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it, well, it, I, he, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, I have a friend and her husband worked late. And so he would get home at seven and she had little people who just needed to go to bed. Right. And so they found a way to still eat together because he didn't leave for work until later in the morning. And so she would wake up and she just changed her thinking mm-hmm. and made a breakfast. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. That's which, that being flexible, personalizing right. and adjusting for your own family. 
Yeah. And then that was their family meal is they would have breakfast every morning. And, and she just made it a point to make it more special than throwing out cereal boxes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like I, I'm like, kids, go make oatmeal. Right. Because um, that is just, I cook one meal a day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it's the family meal. <laughs> yes, that's right. You know, and so that that restoring and that prioritizing family meal yeah. time, and you talk about making relationships a priority over schoolwork, that is so, so important. Yes. <laughs> over schoolwork and, and social media and holiday events. Right. There yeah. have been times where we have noticed there's a breakdown in our family communication. Uh-huh. And we have canceled things that we were going to go to. Because it just, it wasn't worth the stress that it was putting our family under. Um, And we had things we need to work out. Mm -hmm. And so we just, we circle back to, okay, how how do we as a family reconnect? And right now, reconnecting as a family is more important than... um, then yeah, this getting that math, math work done or going to that party or, mm-hmm. or doing that thing. And so recognizing that and when those relationships break down and they constantly do that because we're all human, right? Um, we look to repair it. Yes, yes, that's absolutely right. And, um, you know, s- safeguarding our time, you mentioned that, and our, our children's time. So there's time to process, to play to process life, to um, personalize living life. I, uh, I just, I love that because it's exactly what I share in my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler. It's just mm-hmm. giving people, giving your kids specifically the time and the space to just be. They yeah. have to understand what that feels like, especially in this world that is just moving quicker and quicker and quicker. Right. I mean, I thought the world was moving quickly when my oldest kids were young and it's just, it's at warp speed now. And as parents, we have to protect that so, so uh, strongly. It's literally a, a fight, I feel like, um, for parents now to really protect their kids' time and uh, yeah. give them that space, that that room to be to be children. You know, that's it's the one time in their life they get to be children, and they don't have to be hurried. Yeah. They don't have to rush through things, and um, it, it's just such a gift that you can give your kids, and it's a gift that only you can give them. No yeah. one else is going to do it for them, and they're nope. not going to do it for themselves because that's not their place. That's our place. That's our responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, they so... Ta- they need that time to process and ponder and go, who am I? Who exactly. am I becoming? And, I mean, I'm sure your kids have come back and thanked you for that because I know oh, I've yes. gone back to my parents, and I'm like, thank you. I... Like, I have friends that don't know how to slow down. Mm-hmm. And it's like, unless they fill every day with tons of activities, they feel like they're floundering. They, do, they don't know what to do when it's just them and their thoughts. Yes. And, and I just, I look and I go, homeschooling gave me such a gift because it gave me time to play when I was little, mm-hmm. um, which is how little kids process. And then as a teenager, it gave me time to just sort of process and who was I, who was I becoming, what did I really believe? Um, Because I'm going, okay, this is what my parents believe. But it took me time to really think about it and internalize it. Right. And own it. 
and own you it. Really, you have to own your your life, your faith, your education, and that was always our goal. Is that by the time our kids were at some point in high school, they owned. They were they were really beginning to own their lives, their own decisions. They understood that when they made a decision, that they were responsible for the outcome of whatever that was. If it was a poor choice, it would be a poor outcome, and they would be the ones to feel that. And right, uh, you know, and just owning their faith. You know that it's not just my husband and my faith or our family's faith collectively, but individually, you know, that they yeah. understood that, that this was about them as an individual and that God had a plan and a purpose for their life. And I just, I think it's a time when they can really um, start to see a little, hopefully catch a vision for where their place is in this world, sort of like what yeah. God has for them, this purpose that he has for them. And, you know, at that point in the game, we're, we're more like a coach, you know, we're coaching them and we're saying, hey, you can do this and I'm praying for you and how can I help and, you know, those kinds of things. And so this whole idea of um, giving our kids time is not just for when they're little. It is so yeah. true for them as teenagers as well. So I when think that's... I've even found, because my life is getting busier now that my kids are getting older, um, is I need to safeguard my own time. Yes. Because oh, if yes. I am too busy. If I am too distracted, I am not. I'm not dialing into the Lord. I'm not savoring my children. Mm. I I miss things with my husband, where I just I don't even realize that stuff's going on because I can't dial in. You can't dial into everything. No, exactly, exactly. And it's so like I need that mental margin. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right, and that's that's one of the side benefits of having given our kids margin is I got margin. Yeah. Um, and then also to be responsible with that margin, not to waste it away or fritter it away, but to use it wisely because, you know, it's like God gives us a certain amount of energy every day, emotional, physical, um, and we are responsible to be good stewards of that yeah. energy. You know, one day we might have more energy and another day less. Our job is to steward both well. And your energy level and your capacity at any given moment is going to be different than your friends. Absolutely. And so I've had to learn to not judge people, either like, oh my gosh, they need to step up their game, stop being lazy, or, um, which I'm a high energy person. So sometimes I do that. And then other times I'll look and I'll be like, oh my gosh, they're so frenetic. How can they even like be savoring? Right. And I just... Right. I, it's not my place to look at anybody else's motives. The only person's capacity I know and can own right now is my own. Exactly. <laughs> That's tending your own backyard again, right? Yes. Just <laughs> I, and then that's the only insight we actually get pretty much is for our own for our own, our own backyard, our own lives, our own families. And, you know, I think every now and then, obviously, you know, in, in a relationship with another mom, we might have the opportunity to, that God might give us to speak into their lives. But I think that's pretty, you know, fairly few and far between. We just try to love and support and encourage one another. And, um, you know, I would say like spur one another on what is going to spur the other person on to love and good works. Cause that's what we're supposed to be doing. And, um, you know, so yes, I hear you completely. But that whole stewarding your energy is so, so important as moms. And I think as homeschooling moms, especially, we need to be really careful. Yes. Yep. And 
that's why it's so important to pray and seek the Lord for how to walk through whatever season we are in. Yeah. Mm. So important. And God is so faithful. You know, he is so faithful. Yep. So, well, I, I'm just, I, I, this conversation has just been so great. It's, it's always such a joy to chat with you. I always walk away from our talks just always feeling inspired, being given something to think about. And I love the energy and the practical encouragement that you bring to our time together. So thank you again for being here. Well, thanks for inviting me back. This was fun. <laughs> well, if any of you moms want to connect with Heather, um, I will leave those links in the uh, podcast notes. And we are doing a giveaway today. Heather generously um, offered to give away her book, Nights in Training. So if you want to enter that giveaway, just leave a little note in the comments under this post on my website, and we will choose the winner from there. So uh, thank you again, moms, for being here. I hope you've been encouraged. And um, Heather and I were praying before we started this podcast. We were praying that God would sort of spark the things that um, he has for you, that those things would continue to resonate in your hearts as you uh, move forward with your day and with your weeks um, and through this holiday season, that the things that you heard here that were of him would he would just bring back to your mind over and over again and 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 show you what to do with those so let's um let's just uh bow in a word of prayer before we close lord we thank you so much for this time together thank you for every mom who's listening father thank you that you have made her to be the parent the mother of these children lord and that you have made her children um to be hers you've brought them together it is it is your sovereign hand that has weaved their families together and lord as we walk through this uh, this christmas season and throughout the rest of the year lord i pray for just a wisdom lord a wisdom for each and every mom listening to tend her garden to tend her backyard well to stay focused to stay intentional lord to um to take the time to be still, Lord. Um, and even in this waiting time through the holidays, Lord, it's just such a great reminder that waiting on you is never a waste of time. We thank you for your goodness to us. And I pray for just these moms that you would just give them a vision, Lord, a vision from you as to what what you want to do in their families and and help each one to embrace the uniqueness of their own family lord we just pray your blessing over them and your peace over their households in jesus name amen